Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be uh, briefly recapping Kentucky football's spring game. Going to talk about what I liked, what I didn't like. We're also going to take uh, take a look at the way-too-early top 25 uh, that ESPN put out just a uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, and going to note where Kentucky is, going to talk about what ESPN says about them, and then just kind of to look past this spring game, to look past spring football for a little bit. We're going to just kind of give an overall outlook, overall feel around the program, just kind of take a look at that uh, here on today's episode. And then finally, we're going to talk about another transfer in the market. I know essentially we've been kind of reserving the end of podcasts recently to talk about transfers that Kentucky could potentially reach out to, slash has re- reached out to, slash should uh, definitely pursue. Looking at Terrence Shannon Jr., we talked about him on yesterday, or excuse me, last episode on Friday, if you guys want to go check that out. But today, we've got Kenneth Lofton Jr., transfer from Louisiana Tech. Going to talk about him, the definition of a big man. He is uh, he's a load. But today, want to start off with the spring game. Just some notes. We noted on Friday that the passing offense was likely going to look good because there were a lot of holes in the secondary and Kentucky's not 100% uh, in a lot of different areas. And some guys were just were, were sitting out. And the passing offense ended up looking pretty darn good. I believe Kentucky had, what was it, 282 yards passing is what they ended up having net. 282 yards passing. Will Levis obviously uh, led the charge at the beginning of the game. Seven of eight was Will Levis passing. I was really impressed with the way that he was able to operate the offense. Uh, something that on three and a couple of other uh, other places noted whenever they were giving their just their overall thoughts on the spring game, they were saying, well, we want to see the passing offense look crisp. That's what we want to see. We want we, we know that Will Levis is a good quarterback, right? But we want to be able to see the offense go out there and look efficient, and we just we don't want to see them make mistakes. And we didn't get to see Will Levis really make a mistake during his time out there. 98 yards passing, 7 of 8, had two touchdowns. Uh, one of them was to Dane Key, a freshman wide receiver. We noted he could potentially be one of the guys to look out for. We talked about him on Friday's show. He caught a touchdown uh, and, and right over the middle of the field. I mean, he was wide open. In my opinion, like, yeah, like I'm hype about some of these young receivers, and I'm hype about them contributing to the team. But to be honest with you, I was not particularly impressed with the, the touchdown grab for a couple reasons. Number one, he bobbled it and almost dropped it. Uh, he and as you would, I mean, if it, look, look at him, he, he's just a he's a freshman, really talented athlete, right? Got a lot of speed, but as a freshman, and, and I would probably do a similar thing, a similar thing. If I'm catching the ball, and you've heard color analysts talk about this a lot, if I'm catching the ball, I'm probably already looking upfield. I'm probably probably already looking to run, and I think that's what Dane Key was doing a little bit. 
not focusing, not concentrating on catching the pass, but instead already trying to turn up field and looking downfield instead of focusing on, okay, let's make sure I get this grab. And he, again, he kind of bobbled it, but was able to secure it and walk in for the touchdown. Had a really nice spin he put on the ball uh, after his touchdown catch. And I believe he hit the gritty as well, which is just icing on the cake. But yeah, he got a touchdown. I, I was not overly impressed because he was butt naked wide open. And then also it was, it was kind of bobbled. But I am pleased that we did see some receiver production. We also got to see Tavion Robinson out there. Had three catches for uh, 42 yards and a long of, uh, of 24. And I believe, that was, I, I believe that was a third down throw to the outside that Levis had. And Robinson broke a couple of tackles, if I'm not mistaken. I'm really excited to see Tavion Robinson kind of take over Wandale Robinson's role that he had last season. Really excited to see uh, what he looks like. The other quarterbacks, though, outside of Will Levis, Bo Allen did not, he didn't look particularly uh, w- solid. He, um, he was 4 of 11 for 75 yards and was sacked once, should have been sacked twice. There was like a fourth down and two play, I believe, where they just let it go. But he, he did not, my, my issue with Bo Allen is he didn't look like he was out there making, he was not out there being decisive. He was sitting in the pocket for for a little too long, and he wasn't pulling the trigger, and he was having to scramble a little bit, and that did lead to what should have been a couple of sacks, but I want to see Allen be a little bit more accurate, and I want to see him make quicker decisions. And obviously, uh, barring Will Levis getting injured, knock on wood, I don't think Allen's going to be out there really contributing for the Wildcats this season. But, you know, you, you do want to try and work on these things as a backup quarterback, right? And, and so I, I, I wanted to see more uh, consistency out of Bo Allen. Deuce Hogan, though, we talked about him. Uh, we talked about him on Friday. Transfer from Iowa. Committed to the, to the Wildcats, I believe, back in January. Really, really strong arm. Was 7 of 11 for 51 yards and a touchdown. He looked good out there, but nobody, nobody looked as, as crisp as Will Levis. I'm going to continue to use that word because I think that's kind of what we wanted to see. That was the emphasis on the passing offense uh, during the spring game. You know, speaking of crisp, how about the weather? I mean, it just uh, Croker Field just covered in snow. How about that? In April, in April, covered in snow. It was, uh, it was wild out there. But yeah, I liked what I saw. I think we saw what we expected to see out of Kentucky's offense. I think we got to see the passing offense work well. Chris Rodriguez caught a touchdown pass. He only had a couple of rushing attempts. But the rushing, but the uh, the ground game averaged over four yards a carry. That was good to see. Cavassier uh, Smoke led the uh, led the entire group in rushing. By the way, thirty-two to nothing was the final score of the game. And I don't really think that matters here, considering I believe they were only essentially wanting a run, a one offense. It was like blue versus white. And the blue team was the one that was just like, essentially, it was all offense. And I don't really, I don't really, I think that you would, you would just kind of essentially call it like a practice, not a scrimmage, but more of a practice. Juton McClain noted that he could potentially be somebody uh, that could be a factor. Only had one reception for, for one yard and then had six rushes for 24 yards, average four, four point. Uh, 4.1 yards per carry. But yeah, I, I think that we saw what we needed to see out of the offense. 
and we just need to see the secondary get healthy a little bit for the Wildcats. And overall, I was pr- I was pleased with the way the things went. The offensive line looked good as well. I mean, talking about Will Levis being able to stand in there, all kinds of time to throw. Bo Allen was holding on to the ball for a little bit. He also had time to throw. And then I'll, I'll note this about the defensive side of the ball. While there weren't a lot of huge plays, Jordan Lovett, uh, defensive back, had nine tackles, I believe, in this game. If I'm not mistaken according to uh, Kentucky football's official final statistics here. Nine tackles in this game. Hopefully he's able to step up and contribute in some type of way for the Wildcats this fall. But that's what I noted about the spring game. Everything went according to plan. I was pleased with the way the passing offense looked. I said it might be explosive. It was at times. It certainly was at times. All right. want to talk about the, uh, the way-too-early top 25 that ESPN put out just a, a couple weeks ago. Give my thoughts on the Wildcats and just their overall outlook for the program. I think it's going to be a special year. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Built Bar. Guys, there's this new thing that Built Bar has, and they're called Puffs. If you haven't had them, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars out there. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, and it's not just a protein bar. It's an absolute treat. They're covered in 100% real chocolate like all Built Bars are. And they've got so many different amazing flavors to choose from. They're low in calorie. They're high in protein. You can replace your candy bars with these. They're simply better. A typical candy bar can be about, what, 200, 300 calories. But most Built Bars, including Puffs, contain about 130 calories. And then 17 grams of protein. These are really good for you. And they're fantastic. They're delicious. They've got so many different flavors. And they're coming out with new ones all the time. You can go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, you can go to promo uh, you can go to built.com right now and you can use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Get some puffs, they're absolutely phenomenal. All right, moving along here on the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky Lance Daw here with you noted uh, some things about the spring game. Now I'm going to talk about uh, Kentucky in the way too early top 25 that ESPN Uh, has recently put out. I believe they have the Wildcats coming in at number 21. Seven starters returning on offense, seven on defense, and then one on special teams. This is, I believe, going to be a special season for the Wildcats. 10-3 and last year, 5-3 and in the SEC. Sandwiched in between at number 20, the Arkansas Razorbacks, and then at number 22, the USC Trojans. I honestly, I would probably put Kentucky above Arkansas. And then at 19, they've got Cincinnati. And I could just go ahead and tell you straight up, I'm putting, I'm putting Kentucky over at number 19, Cincinnati. I'm putting them over number 18, BYU, despite their returning production. Uh, and I, I would really consider Kentucky being very close to a top 15 preseason team. I really think the Wildcats are going to do some great things this season. But ESPN notes, uh, they're losing offensive tackle Darian Kennard. Uh, they're losing Luke Fortner, Wandell Robinson, Josh Pascal. They're losing Yusuf Corker. But they've got some key additions coming in. Tavion Robinson, like we talked about just a minute ago. Keonta Goodwin, Dane Key, Barryon Brown, Tayshawn Manning. They've got some guys that are coming into this program that I think fans should really be excited about. Just signed one of the best recruiting classes uh, in history. And then this is what ESPN says about their outlook. And I'm quoting directly here. 
The Wildcats narrowly missed out on possibly playing in a New Year's Sex Bowl game, but they still won 10 games in a season for only the second time since 1977. The first was in 2018, also under coach Mark Stoops. With tailback Chris Rodriguez Jr. opting to come back, the Wildcats should be very explosive on offense next season. Quarterback Will Levis, a Penn State transfer, should be even better with a full offseason. Both offensive tackles might turn pro. Defensively, there are a lot of questions about who's coming back with 10 senior starters on that side of the ball. But at least a handful decide to return. The Wildcats might push for 10 victories again. I believe this article was written in January. And I believe actually Yusuf Corker is announced to come back if I'm not... Not, not smoking one right now, but I, I believe he's going to be back. But yeah, the outlook, I think, is incredibly positive this season. You've got one of your best rushers in school history coming back. You've got one of your best quarterbacks uh, in, in the last decade easily, last 20 years easily, coming back. If he could work on cutting down on the turnovers, I think he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the SEC. But you've got a lot of guys coming, and then you've got some transfers. Darian Henry Young is another one that I didn't get to mention from Ohio State. There are a lot of guys that I'm really excited about on this team that I think are either going to return to their form from last season or I think they're going to step up and contribute, whether it be transfers or freshmen. I'm not concerned about the receiving core. I think it's going to be just fine. I'm really excited to see what what the tight ends bring as well. The offensive line, we can talk about the trenches in a second, but I think those are going to be just fine as well. But yeah, I think ESPN, it's fair to put them at 21. I can see where they're coming from, putting them inside the top, borderline top 20. But me personally, I'm probably putting them closer to the top 15. That's just me. And we we try and be be objective on this show. We're trying to be biased, or we're not trying to be biased, excuse me. We're trying to, whenever we're assessing Kentucky basketball and Kentucky football, we're going to pick the Wildcats to win, but I'm going to try and find a way to typically rationalize it. And if I can't, I'm going to be say like, guys, I don't feel great about this game. I don't feel great about this team. I don't feel great about the situation. But this football team, I think there are a lot of reasons to believe that they can not only contend for the SEC East next season, but I think that they could outright win it. They do get Georgia at home. Uh, I don't think it, a, a lot of people are talk, talking about that. They get Kentucky at home. Or they get Georgia at home, excuse me. And if they're able to win that game, I'm really excited about the uh, about what the rest of the season looks like. And then also, you look at an article that ESPN released in February, late February, I believe, just questions about the Wildcats or questions about all their top 25 teams during uh, during uh, the spring. And this is the uh, the quote that uh, that ESPN had. I believe this is Bill Connolly that said this. This is, the, this is the question that he has about the Wildcats in 2022. Who steps up in the trenches? The Wildcats have established a consistent and physical identity under Mark Stoops, but they must replace four of six primary offensive linemen plus three regulars on the defensive line. Offensive lineman Jaeger Burton, monstrous defensive tackle Justin Rogers, and Ohio State defensive end transfer Darian Henry Young, all recent blue chippers could thrive in bigger roles. And at this point, the Wildcats certainly have a track record of producing quality beef, but all-American tackle Darian Kennard and all-SEC guard Luke Fortner and 20-plus tackle for loss defensive end Joshua Paschal uh, were standout talents. They'll be particularly difficult to replace. And he's right on that. He's right. It is going to be difficult to replace those guys, but I think that there are enough pieces in this room that are able to contribute. 
And I don't necessarily think they're going to statistically replace their production. I just think that overall as a team, I think that you're looking at a difficult schedule. Like, let's, let's be straight here. The SEC's got a lot of really good quarterbacks next season. But I think there are so many winnable games on the schedule. So let's start at the top here. And I'm not going to bore you with like, oh, September 3rd and September 10th. And we're, let's just go through this quickly. You've got Miami University at home, Miami of Ohio. Then you go on the road to Florida. Then you play Youngstown State. Then you play Northern Illinois. If you're not 3-1 and one at, at worst at the end of September, yeah, something has gone terribly wrong. I'll say 4-0, okay? You go on the road to Ole Miss. That's going to be a tough game. You play at home against South Carolina, at home against Mississippi State, and then on the road at Tennessee. That's what your October slate looks like. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There's an opportunity for Kentucky to lose all four of those games. Because Ole Miss is going to have a legitimate quarterback. They're going to have a legitimate offense under Lane Kiffin. South Carolina has kind of revamped their entire program with Shane Beamer. Got a lot of enthusiasm around that program right now. And at QB, you've got Spencer Rattler. What's he going to be able to do for the, for the Gamecocks? We'll just have to see. That's going to be a tough game at home for the Wildcats. You're at home against Mississippi State, and they've been all over the place. They're either hot or cold. The air raid is just kind of just iffy. They beat Kentucky by a significant margin last season. That's going to be a tough game. And then at Tennessee, we all know what happened last year. Uh, Kentucky, in my opinion, got hosed at the end of that game. Uh, but, but we don't have to talk about that. But there's also, not only could Kentucky go 0-4, I think they could realistically go 4-0. They could realistically go 4-0 or 3-1. I think that that's a legitimate possibility. And then look at the November slate. You've got at Missouri, at home against Vanderbilt, at home against Georgia, and then at home against Louisville. And I honestly think that you're looking at 3-1 at, 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 at worst there. Missouri's going to be a tough game, but... I don't know if they have the offensive firepower to keep up with Kentucky. And if we're expecting Kentucky to make a year two jump with Will Levis at the helm, we're expecting their production, their stats to go up. I think that they can definitely duke it out, like I said, with, with Tennessee. And then also, I mean, hey, that's that last conference game of the season at home against Georgia. I'm not going to lie. I think that, that Kentucky could go 10-2, and 11-1 this season, but to potentially win the East. I like the way the schedule sets up. I like what's coming back. I'm just, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about the program right now. And I don't think a lot of people are looking Kentucky's way other than to say, oh yeah, I think the fans are, are very content with what's going on there. And I don't want to, I don't want to, for, for the people out there listening, I don't want to maybe project onto you and like, well, we need to set the bar even higher. And I, I don't think a lot of you would take that stance, even if I, I said we're going to win the national title. But I think that there's reason to be very optimistic about Kentucky's ceiling and what that could be next year. All right, we're going to talk about uh, a Kentucky basketball transfer that I'm interested in. Kenneth Lofton Jr. Going to talk about him because Kentucky's reached out to him, what he could do for this team if he were to commit. Going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do that, want to tell you guys about our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including this week's Master Championships odds, which are actually, it's already over. Uh, I believe it was Scott Scheffler that, uh, that won the, uh, the Master's Championship. So congrats to him. So you look at the, look at the past odds for the Master's Championship. I mean, you can look ahead 
to some 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 some, uh, some baseball odds, SEC baseball in full swing. But Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Guys, thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody that we are free and available on all platforms. Kenneth Lofton Jr., a player out of Louisiana Tech, announced that he was entering the transfer portal, and I think it caught a lot of people's attention for primarily one reason. Kenneth Lofton Jr. is six foot seven. So he's got some size, but also he's 275 pounds out of Port Arthur, Texas. He was a freshman last season. A freshman that was six foot seven, 275 pounds. And you may say, wow, so physically uh, he's a load. But what did he do production-wise for the Bulldogs? Well, I'll go ahead and tell you. 16 and a half points per game, 10 and a half rebounds per game, three assists per contest, and he shot 54% from the floor. That's what their six foot seven Ford did. It's 275 pounds. Dude was a load and he was out there getting buckets on people. Now he shot 20% from three, but he, he hardly took any threes. In fact, he was averaging about, he was taking half of one a game. That was his average. So he's not a three point shooter. And the fact that he doesn't knock them down with consistency and he doesn't take them with consistency, but he was a menace in the paint particularly because of his size. And I think that this is somebody that I think that Kentucky should at least take a look at, and they've already offered him. And I've seen a lot of people on Kentucky social media pages. I've seen people comment on posts about this kid, like saying, oh, he he's about 50 pounds overweight, probably wouldn't work in Cal system. Cal loves to run and push the pace. He would never fit. And I've seen some people complain and say, oh, this is the type of player Coach Calipari's recruiting now. Looks like it's just it's just all downhill from here. And sure, that may be true. We could not win a game next season. But also, like I, I think that look at what happened last season. Kentucky was only 150th in adjusted tempo last season. They weren't pushing the pace a ton. Now, they were early in the season. They were against individual opponents. But it was more about the efficiency for Kentucky than it was about the tempo. At least it appeared to me. Now, y'all may disagree with that, but the stats reflect it, and then you go back and look at film. I mean, there was, there were a, lot more, there was a lot more half-court game in Kentucky's, in Kentucky's play especially late in the season. Whether that was good or bad, we can talk about it on another day, but I think that, I think Kenneth Lofton could potentially be somebody that fits into the, to the, uh, the system and fits in well, especially if Oscar Shibway is leaving because we need somebody that can really grab some rebounds on the interior and that also has some post moves as well. And then you look at some of the uh, opponents that he played against that were, uh, that were actually pretty decent last year. Alabama, uh, had 12 points against them, against LSU. He had 13 points on six of nine shooting. Against NC State, he had 36 points. Uh, yes, that is correct. 36 points on 14 of 19 shooting. Three opponents there that he played that were legitimate last season. UAB played them three times. No, he played. No, he did play them three times. Okay, the first time he played UAB, he had 24 points. 
The second time he played UAB, he had 20 points. And then the third time he played UAB, he had 23. And if you didn't know, the Blazers made it to the NCAA tournament last season, played against Houston, fought hard, but eventually lost because the Cougars' defense was absolutely nasty. But yeah, Kenneth Lofton Jr. played well against some, uh, some talented competition last season, was efficient overall, like I said, shooting 54% from the floor. I think this is somebody that Kentucky needs to look at. Is it more important, in my mind, than Terrence Shannon Jr., the, the guard slash forward transfer from Texas Tech? I don't think it is. I don't think it's more important than Terrence. And you may disagree with that. But I think Kentucky needs somebody at the guard spot that can shoot more than they need a big man right now. But if they were to pick up Kenneth Lofton, that would be cool. I'd be all right with that. If you want to give your thoughts on Kenneth Lofton Jr., uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below. If you're listening on podcast format, hit me on the socials. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. If you want to reach out to me on the socials, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Lance Daw underscore. All right, I'll see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Have a good day, everybody. And God bless.